All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're watching Leafs Morning Tape with host Nick Alberga and former NHLer Jay Rosen. The show starts now. Presented by Botano, it's time for the Friday edition of Leafs Morning Take. Nick Alberga with you, and uh, so happy to have on today's show from Daily Faceoff. It's my man, Matt Larkin. What's going on, buddy? How are you? Uh, Nick, I'm feeling good. It's been a while. I feel like I'm a healthy scratch who just finally got back on the ice, and I'm ready to go hit somebody on my first shift. I'm pumped up today, my friend. Well, it's great to have you. You're more like a Nick Robertson. You're not so much like a Ryan Reeves at this point in time. And it's so funny. We just had a conversation like mere seconds before we came on this show on this podcast. So I subjected myself to the new Mean Girls show uh, or, or, or movie 20 years after the fact that the real one came out last night. Is it, do you remember one date where you're like, why the hell? What the hell am I doing? Because that's, that's how I felt watching that musical. By the way, any of you out there want to watch this movie? It's a musical. And that's what I sat through for an hour and a half last night. Yeah, I've had a few disaster dates. I think the worst one for me was when the girl I was dating, as soon as I arrived, she gave me a hug and say, it said, uh, hey, buddy. And I knew it was over oh, one oh, second oh. into the date. I'm like, oh, geez, what am I going to do for the next three hours? It's over. And I knew it was over. So that's that was tough. Those were some tough minutes out there. But what was the precursor to like the hey, buddy? It was like this is a first date. It was a, you know, meet someone at a bar and then the next ah. week you go out and then the vibes are just not the same as they were on that Friday night before. And so, and I knew like as soon as I walked in, I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be rough. <laughs> man, full credit to you for probably stomaching. I know you, you're a class act. You stomach through this entire thing and you knew it was going nowhere. So kudos to you, because I think anybody watching and listening has probably been through something like that. Would have just pulled shoe with a stomach ache or, st- stomach ache or something, you know? 
Yeah, you know, I, I can keep it going. I, I'm a conversationalist, so I was able to stall. I was able to, I always like to go back to the hockey analogy. I was able to be Ryan Suter out there. I just munched minutes and, you know, we, we had some muscles. It was all right. Hey, all I'll say, I hope that's all you were munching on that night. Uh, so Matt Larkin in here on this Friday. Great to be with us. And uh, thanks so much for doing this, Matt. Um, we got Sid Sixero of Breakfast Television coming up in about 25 minutes. And uh, personally, I can't wait for the hot takes. I've been chasing him for like a year and a half. So finally, great to get him on. But I uh, love the hot takes. I love opinion in this market. I, I think it's always infringed upon. It's like, oh, you can't have a opinion that's not like the, the, the popular opinion. That's why I love Sid. He's always himself, man. Exactly. I'm excited to tee him up and just sort of let him cook out there because he's going to say what might be on everyone else's mind, what they're maybe afraid to say. And if we're going to talk leaps, whatever we're going to talk about today, he's going to have something out there that's going to floor us. And I'm excited for it. Very excited for that. So that's coming up in about 25 minutes. But first and foremost, off the top, I wanted to get your thoughts on something that transpired on Thursday. And it wasn't me watching Mean Girls, by the way. It was a Brennan Gallagher hit on Adam Pellick of the New York Islanders. Firstly, what a return for Patrick Waugh, standing ovation, maybe a bit of a cry. And then, yeah, it's 3 nothing for Montreal. The Islanders storm back. But that's not really what we're talking about on this Friday. We're talking about the Gallagher hit. And it's sort of fascinating because, like, I can't remember the last hit in the league this year specifically where the whole entire, you know, media is talking about it and the hockey world is talking about it. I think these guys have cleaned up their act. But watching that, it... I can't remember the last time everybody was in unison, like this guy should get the book. And then you find out today it's not an in-person hearing. So he's going to get less than five games here. Yeah. To me, I think why the reaction was so strong last night was it was just so defined. It wasn't a play where, you know, a shoulder gets up a little high or player ducks at the last second. We've seen plenty of those over the years, especially recently. It was such a targeted play, especially if you watched Brendan Gallagher's legs, his feet, his skates. He launches himself upward. Yes, of course, he's a small guy. He has to do that to hit a lot of people. But it's just so defined that he appeared to be targeting the head. And there's just no defending a hit like that. That's what the Department of Player Safety is looking for. Is there a trajectory that's upward and sort of predatory? And that would be classified to me as a non-hockey play, as you see it here. It's just... It's not the kind of thing like Brendan Gallagher is a scrappy player, but I've never seen him do something like this. And it's not like Adam Pellick is the type of defender who's in your face all night. He's a great defensive defenseman, but he's not like he's known as someone who is going to incite rage from other players. It just didn't fit. It was a surprising play. And I didn't expect it from someone like Brendan Gallagher. And I think that's why it just really jumped off the page. Because like you said, I think the league the players around the league, they're cleaning up their act. It's sort of being baked into their psyche. That's what the DOPS, if you love them or hate them, one thing they've been trying to do, especially over the past decade, is sort of bake in good behavior that lasts over time. And that way you get targeting the head out of the game. Ever since we saw the amendment to Rule 48.1, we have seen gradually fewer and fewer deliberate hits to the head. You still get the incidental contact. That's part of the rule book. That's how Jacob Truba makes his living, of course. But these types of plays, like we saw last night, are kind of going the way of the dodo. And I do believe that's why it stood out. It was just, I haven't seen just such a blatant, blatant example of targeting in a long time. It's also a soft league. Like, we don't really see hitting anymore. Let's not uh, discount that either. But again, uh, I, it, few and far between, um, Wallawomp writes in Galagoon. I think you're right there. But I think it's important, too, in these scenarios that you watch replays because some of these, like, extended slow-mos, I... 
I don't think paints the right picture. I think it's it's easy to forget as the fan or the media member, like the game is really, really fast. Like I'm not here to defend Brennan Gallagher because it was a clear like chicken wing hit. But I think sometimes you have to remember how quick the game is too, right? It's so true. And I get into debates on Twitter all the time and I say, oh, you're doing the freeze frame game. You can make yeah. any hit look dirty if you pause it at the right time and I can do it back and make it look not dirty. So I think you're completely right on that. And an example I always see is when when you get the incidental contact that happens as a result of the initial collision. So you collide and then your body launches upward as a result of the hit. When it comes after the contact, when the force is distributed, it's so different than when you're extending an arm, right? And I think when you're messing around with the video or the freeze frames, that's where you get those types of problems, where you can find something that looks dirty if you just pick the frame you want. Cherry picking, it drives me crazy. Happens all the time on social media. So that's sort of a breakdown of the Brennan Gallagher hit. And again, the NHL's already reacted today. It's not an in-person hearing, which I think is surprising for a lot of people. At the Leafs Nation 401 on YouTube, where you could subscribe if you're watching right now and are not subscribed. I don't know what you're doing, quite frankly. At the Leafs Nation 401, where else are you going to get conversations about Mean Girls, the second iteration of Mean Girls? I guess the third one, because there was a musical before, but you know what I'm saying. So at the Leafs Nation 401, Least Morning Take, wherever you find your podcast. Leave us a five-star review and some commentary as well. It'd be fantastic. And uh, Matt Larkin, along with today's Sid Sixero, coming up in about 10 minutes or 20 minutes, excuse me, as well. Brought to you by DoorDash. It's time for the appetizer. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off up to $10 in value and zero delivery fees in their first order of $15 or more. When you download the DoorDash app, enter code NATION25. That's code NATION25, uppercase for that. For 25% off your first order with DoorDash, Offer valid in Canada, subject to change, terms apply. So I thought the first block of today's podcast would be sort of a thorough breakdown from you, considering you're you're around the scene quite a bit at Scotiabank Arena specifically. You document them on a daily basis. We'll get into the Winnipeg Part 2 game coming up on Saturday from Winnipeg. But uh, what's been your read on this Maple Leafs team so far this season, Matt? Well, my read has been sort of, I told you so, and not you specifically, Nick, but just people no, ask me, me <laughs> but people ask me before the season, what, what do I think about this team? And I said, they're worse. It's very visible on paper. They're going to be much worse defensively. When you lose a Luke Shen, who was their best defensive defenseman in the playoffs, you lose a Ryan O'Reilly. Those are your rentals. They're out the door. You're bringing in certain players that are known for being defensive liabilities. John Klingberg, Ryan Reeves. You could see it. It was in plain sight. This was not going to be as strong of a team. And that's exactly what we've gotten. This is still a very exciting offensive team. They can still score when you have that kind of star power. It's to be expected, but they're much worse defensively right now. They are 27th on the penalty kill. The Chicago Blackhawks, Nick have a better penalty kill. That is embarrassing. The Toronto Maple Leafs are below the Blackhawks in penalty killing 27th. You've got this team 23rd right now and expected goals against for 60. Oh, you don't like expected goals. How about actual goals? They're 21st in goals against per game as well. So to me, this is who I thought they were. And I go back to the quote, if you're a succession fan, Logan Roy in the last season, you're not serious people. And that's what I see with this Leafs team. They're not a serious team right now. I don't think they're a major threat. They're still competitive, but this is not the version of them we saw a year ago. And naturally, I think the word that comes to mind for a lot of people watching and listening and myself included is like identity. They have zero identity. And I'm often asked every time I do hits across North America or whatever it is, where it's like, you know, what's your vantage point? What's your view on the Maple Leafs? And I'm like, honestly, I have no answer what you're going to look like. I did a hit on 
on Wednesday before the game. And I said, you know, I was asked what I thought the Leafs would look like in that game. And I said, I have no clue. And that's the problem. Like they're so inconsistent, right? It's so true. And and it's funny you mentioned identity because that was a big theme of the offseason, especially when they brought yep. in Reeves. There was this perception that they were going to be a tougher team, but it doesn't really work when you're bringing someone into the bottom of the lineup. And again, I, this sounds like the Matt Toot and his own horn show, but when people ask me in the summer, I said, it's not going to make a difference when he's in the press box, especially in the playoffs. If you have sure. someone who's playing, even when he's in the lineup, eight minutes a game, that's not going to change your team identity. If you want to really make a change and bring in grit, it's got to be high in the lineup. It's got to be your Sam Bennett's, your Tom Wilson's, your heavy skill guys who play in the top six, not the bottom six. So if you look on paper, you have this team that's supposedly trying to get tougher. You're bringing in scrappier players. I wouldn't call Tyler Bertuzzi and Max Domi tough. They're more scrappy, but it doesn't really make the wholesale identity change you're necessarily looking for. You're still more of a finesse team, except you've gotten rid of some of your finesse. The team is not as deep as it was. So I agree with you. I think this team is a little bit lost, not really knowing exactly who it is. And that's a bit of a problem as we get down to the stretch run. Well, the big thing for me is like now the conversation is going to steer Larks to like the trade deadline. They're 17 games away, March 8th, as we know. And every year, as you know, covering this team the last X amount of years, it's been about the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's been it's been about chasing the cup. And I think this year is different because Brad Tree Living is here. He's a new GM and he's in year one of a multi-year deal. Like it doesn't. I don't feel like there's the urgency in general with the team on the ice, but never mind off the ice to do something substantial. Like, I I wonder what the direct path is, because ultimately the big topic on this show has been like, why can't they be the Florida Panthers that just locks it in the last 10 games of the season and goes on an impeccable run? And I that, that has to be something they wrestle with on a daily basis. Yeah, and I think that right now, if you're a Leafs fan, is what you're hoping for because it's not like last year we had this burgeoning juggernaut that was really needing to break through and it was really time to load up. Right now, the Leafs, they're kind of bouncing up and down from that third spot to the wild card spot. Cap space-wise, yes, you got the Klingberg LTIR, but you're not swimming in cap space. I don't know if you're going to be able to bring in a real heavy hitter in terms of just a mega talent at the deadline. And again, this is a team, if you look... It's funny, there's two mentalities. You could say, oh, we need to go all in because we have Matthews and Nylanders, their big extensions kicking in next year. Or you could say, no, because those extensions are kicking in, we have to think ahead. We got to keep our prospects because we're going to need players on entry-level cap hits contributing soon. So guys like Fraser Mitten and Easton Cowan, you're going to need those guys in a few years if you have so much cap space tied up in your big guys and then Mitch Marner as well. So I can see the mentality going kind of both ways. Maybe the answer is... You don't necessarily load up and add a whole bunch of pieces, but you address one or two needs. I do think this team still has enough talent that if you get in, and we've seen that, that's sort of the template these years, right? These days, if you get in, you can go on a run. So maybe you address the defense. Maybe you do go after a Chris Tanev, and that's one piece I think you really do need. This team isn't good enough defensively. They're not tough enough. They don't have enough work ethic. They need a shutdown guy who can kill penalties. He is absolutely fitting the template of what they need. But maybe that's the one piece you go for. And you have to think sort of maybe it's a hedge mentality for a team that doesn't necessarily have the horses right now. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. And I I think you got to be realistic about things. And to your point, like Tanev makes sense because I do firmly believe if Tanev comes in, he's going to sign a contract Mm -hmm. with the Maple Leafs and extensions. So I think that would make a lot of sense. Not only do you help yourself for the stretch drive, but you help yourself for what the next couple of years as well. Because ultimately I think it's a harsh reality. The market isn't what you want it to be. If you're a lease fan, like who is outside of Tanev, 
who is out there. Like Brett Pesci, I think, is a guy you identify on July 1. If he makes it to market, I think the, the Maple Leafs, at the very least, will have that conversation with the Pesci camp. But there is there really anybody out there who's going to be a pendulum swinger? Zadorov went. He probably, you know, wouldn't have been a great, great, great fit for this team considering he wants to be a 3-4 guy. He's probably more of a 4-6 to six guy. Um, but ultimately, that's what it comes down for me is like, yeah, you want change, you want change. But like, who's who's out there, you know? Yeah, maybe you go for a different price range. Someone like a Mario Ferraro in the San Jose Sharks. He's got a year left, I believe, maybe even two years left, but he's got some term left. Yeah. And because right now he's a bit banged up, but as far as I know, it's not going to you know cost him significant time. So that's someone who's maybe more affordable. And that's a way to sort of hedge your bets. You bring in someone, but you're not going to have to trade necessarily a first round pick for someone like that. Maybe Nick Sealer of the Philadelphia Flyers. I know our buddy Frank Zarvalli, Daily Faceoff, loves Nick Sealer. If the Flyers are willing to part with someone like that, I know they're pretty competitive, but maybe that's sort of the more realistic price range you're going for. And I agree with you. You make a great point about Tanev because we know TJ Brody is going to be a UFA and mm-hmm. we've already seen Brad Living walk away from TJ Brody once. Maybe yeah. it's going to happen again on a new team. So there is going to be some cap space. John Klingberg is going as well. Mark Giordano, I think, is probably going to retire after the season. He's my age and I'm in pain right now. So I can't imagine what it's like being an NHL player at that age, right? So there is going to be some cap space. You're going to have to pay someone on your blue line. So I like the idea of the upside in terms of adding someone who can help you, not just this year, especially knowing this year, we don't even know for sure that this team's going to make the playoffs. One more slump and you could be sliding out of that, that picture. So it's pretty interesting just how different it is this year compared to last year. And they're teetering. And we talked about this earlier in the week. Like everybody around them is winning. Detroit wins again last night. Uh, You mentioned Philadelphia. They're the interesting team for me because they've now dropped four in a row. And yeah, they've been in a playoff spot. But if they drop out, I know, you know, we talked to Dave Penyota yesterday. They've been connected to Walker and Sealer. They've had some uh, deals, uh, you know, conversed about with those two, uh, potentially bringing both those guys in. So Philadelphia falls out of things. Maybe the least get back to that conversation. But all of a sudden, nobody's talking about it. Kucherov has been unbelievable this year, but Tampa just wins and wins and wins. And that puts pressure on the Leafs. I know they have games in hand on most of these teams, which is uh, the, the positive note you can draw from this shaky first half of the year. But they got to take care of business. They got to get in a role, like not to an Edmonton type role where it's like 15 in a row, but they they have to create some space in the standings. And we did talk about this earlier in the week where it's like, I think you have to prove to your GM that they're worthy of, of of adding significantly at the deadline. Do you feel that way? Yeah, I think that's a great point because you want to be in a comfortable position where you know, and it's weird because mm. the Leafs were used to them having their matchup decided by early January. So it's so different right now, but you need to show that. And they do have a history of when they've lost, I think the stat I saw when they lose four or more games in a row under Sheldon Keep, they go on these big runs. But yeah. what I wonder is, do you have the depth this time to put together a run like that? And I looked up the numbers this morning. I can't believe it. So forget the core four. Call it the call it the big three now. And you have three players have scored 51.8% of Toronto's goals this year, which is just a staggering number to me, how much you're depending on Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, and William Nylander. And I do look back at the David Camp signing as a big mistake. And again, it's not hindsight 2020. It's not a victory lap. It was foresight 2020. I said it the day it happened. You can't pay David Camp. You have to find the next David Camp. You got a player like that on a cheap deal originally. And that type of skill set is someone you should be able to find at a league minimum or close to it. You find the next one. You don't re-sign David Kampf. And now that money is tied up in him and the Leafs are tied against the cap. They really need scoring depth right now. And that's a problem. It was supposedly just defense they need. They need more than defense. Nobody's scoring in the bottom six. 
And I think part of it is the money tied up in a player like David Kampf, right? So to me, I just don't know. I'm not as confident as I normally would be that they can go on this run and sustain success for, you know, 10 games, 15 games. Yeah, they're, they're, they're just waste, you know, too many moving parts as you you sort of correlated to the past where it's like, you know, we're in February and the Leafs are spoken for when it comes to a playoff spot. You don't have that feel this year. And I think a big reason why has been like the whole identity thing and some of the additions just haven't worked out. Ryan Reeves has played 21 games. I don't know if he'll play another game for the Leafs this year. You know, John Klingberg and that whole situation. Uh, there's been spurts, ups and downs for Tyler Bertuzzi and Max Domi. When you're significantly striking out on like, Every major addition outside of Benoit, which is hilarious to me. He's been the best addition so far here by Brad Tree Living. You're probably going to be in this type of position because that was the first thing they came out and said when Tree Living signed. We don't want to make it about the core four, but as you just said, it's it's all about the core four. Like if there is no core four, there is no Maple Leafs team that's going to the playoffs, you know? So it's kind of interesting that way. It is. And and I go back to just the idea of the core four maybe being the core three, which just exacerbates yeah. the problem. And that's a big question to me for the stretch run. What are we going to see from John Tavares? And I think, you know, we live in a world now where the takes have to be extreme. It's like every movie is a 10 out of 10 or a zero out of 10. There's no such thing as a 7.1. And, and I yeah. think the same thing with John Tavares. He's either going to be fine. He's all a famer. Everything's going to be fine. Or he's done. He's cooked. Just put him out to pasture. I think the answer lies somewhere in between. He's 33 years old. He's not 43, but he's obviously not scoring. The foot speed is a problem. And I do wonder if this is someone who needs to eventually move to the wing and maybe eventually actually should be now. And I look at what he's done this season. I even looked like this morning, I looked at what he's done just since January. And what surprised me, Nick, is at five on five, he has the second highest expected goals on the team. So he's still getting high quality chances. They're just not going in. He's shooting 1.7%, I think it was. So there's going to be some luck that's going to correct. Question is how much? And if John Tavares is just kind of a guy now, I worry that this team is not going to have the horses because you can't have it be the big three. It's got to be core four to even have a chance. What was that documentary called? Uh, All or Nothing a couple of years back. That <laughs> seems uh, It seems to be that way right now with John Tavares. Shots on goal, GA and PPG can make or break your week, but don't overlook BPMM. Wendy's is bacon, portobello, mushroom melt. Sure may not help you win weekly prizes with Wendy's and daily fa- face-off fantasy. But unlike your predictions, it never disappoints. So try your luck, but don't push it because the bacon portobello mushroom melt is only back for a limited time. And if you miss it, you won't get a second chance. Sign up for Daily Faceoff today, sponsored by Wendy's and the Wendy's app. Again, at the Leafs Nation 401 to subscribe here on YouTube. Sid Sixero coming up in about 10 minutes from now. But let's break down the uh, round two of two between the Leafs and the Winnipeg Jets. The back end of the home and home in Winnipeg on Saturday night before the bye week slash all-star break. Ilya Samsonov, man. You've been documenting this all season long. What a story. Three consecutive starts. He's on fire. A 32 safe shutout against Winnipeg the other night. Yeah, he is just a fascinating goaltender to watch. He's such an adventure. And he, I think more than most goalies in recent memory, he just wears his heart on his sleeve for better or for worse. And when it's not working for him, when the confidence is not there, it's just absolute meltdown mode. But when it's going well, he's... The rare goalie who's willing to say, yeah, I almost cried in the middle of a game when <laughs> I got that type of ovation from a crowd. And he clearly yeah. feeds off that. So he's a goalie. And that again, this kind of highlights why he's so inconsistent. He's not someone who is known for being 
compact and technically perfect and playing the position the way that every goalie coach wants you to play it. I know he's not a favorite of buddies of ours like Mike McKenna because he can't sort of maintain a consistent style. Doesn't necessarily have a reputation as a goalie who takes instruction particularly well. And that's why a team like Washington who picked him in the first round gave up on him. But when he's riding that wave, he does have the explosiveness, the size, the athleticism to excel for short spurts of time. And I think it's great that the Leafs are riding this wave. They got to keep feeding that confidence. Think of it as kerosene, just keep pouring it on. And while he's feeling it, you just got to ride him as long as you can, because eventually there's going to be something that happens and he's probably not going to be feeling it. So I like the mentality of just going back to him over and over until he gives you reason not to. We don't have confirmation, by the way, that it's going to be Samsonov, but I would be really, really stunned if it wasn't Ilya Samsonov against Winnipeg on Saturday. And, uh, I think it's so interesting. The Leafs and Laurent Boissois puts uh, forth that effort. I thought it was a very lackluster game, a very unleafy victory. We called it on yesterday's show. They don't normally win those games. But now you got Connor Hellebuck, who, in my opinion, is the front runner for the Vesna Trophy. And I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Leafs score five or six goals. Like, that's just what they do, right? It's interesting, but he constitutes a pretty big challenge for them. Uh, uh-huh. To me... Hellebuck is, I think, the best goalie in the world right now. And in every way, he's the anti-Samsonov. Hellebuck is not an athlete. He, as, When I've interviewed him, he admits that he's like, I'm not a great athlete. I'm just not. I'm, not, I'm the least flexible goalie in the league. He says stuff like that, but he's so <laughs> cerebral. He reminds me kind of of Ed Belfour in the sense that he's not making the stretch highlight reel saves because he's already there on time. He arrives where he needs to be. He anticipates anticipates the play so well. And why that makes it a difficult matchup for the Leafs with Hellebuck is in, in terms of the types of chances he's allowing, he's not giving up the low danger, medium danger. You got to beat him with a, a high danger chance. And that puts it all on the high skill players of the Leafs. So it's got to be an Austin Matthews game, a Mitch Marner game, a William Nylander game. If the Jets shut down the stars, I don't think the depth is going to get it done against someone playing the way Hellebuck is playing right now. What's your read on the power play? Like that's been a big story. And obviously uh, Sheldon Keefe, that that was the hill that he was willing to die on. You know, that famous quote from CBA negotiations like a decade ago, but like they're one for the last 20. And, you know, it's not really a big topic in this market because it's they, they roll out the same guys routinely and we get it. We understand you have your best players on PP one. And maybe John Klingberg was like in that conversation in training camp. But if you're Sheldon Keefe, would you even consider making a change where it's like a Marner or a Nylander down to PP2. It doesn't make sense in my world. You have to roll with this, no? I think you got to give it a shot. It's funny, though. This is an yeah. annual tradition. The Leaf power play goes cold once a year. It Like literally every single year this happens. I don't know why. They just get a little stale. So maybe you need to jumpstart it. And it's not my idea. I saw it thrown out there on Twitter. But I'm like, you know what? This is, this is some interesting thinking. Tyler Bertuzzi is someone who... Has, I don't want to go in as far as say a bust, but he hasn't quite been a fit. And maybe you need to give him that vote of confidence. He worked pretty well when the Bruins were giving him some extended looks in a more significant role on the power play. Maybe you need to get him out there and, and jumpstart him. And that could actually have a ripple effect that helps you just for the rest of the season, if you can really get him going. So I think it's time to get a little experimental. I wondered if this would happen because of course, Spencer Carberry was the architect of that power play. He's gone now. So I expected there to be some kind of regression at some point, and here we are. By the way, the numbers for Connor Hellebuck against the Leafs in his career, 7, 8, and 3, 3.07, and 9.07. So they're going to score seven. That's what the Leafs do against the Winnipeg <laughs> Jets when Hellebuck plays. I'm telling you right now, it's just very, very leafy for that to happen on Saturday. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Night, the following interview is brought to you by our friends over at Battlegrounds Axe Throwing. Unlock the ultimate birthday party, team building event, or have a great date night with your significant other. Just don't go to Mean Girls like I did on last night. To find a location and book an outing today, go to battlegrounds.com. That's B-A-T-L grounds.com as you bring in today's guest. He is sitting nearby uh, from Breakfast Television. It is Sid Sixero. What's going on, Sid? How are you? What's going on, boys? You got me okay? Uh, Feed's good? Everything's great, my man. We're just, uh, we're, we're trying to dissect this Maple Leaf season thus far. How, how would you break it down thus far? Well, that's all you're trying to do. <laughs> it's nice and easy. Nice and light. Uh, where would you like to begin? Uh, I got one for you, Sid. Uh, I'm just curious because, again, I, I, you're someone I depend on to spice up my life with your takes. I don't okay. think you're ever I afraid. I didn't know what you depended me on for. I was waiting for that to come flying <laughs> Of course, of course. Yes. So if you're looking at the core four, I know Brad Living hates that term, but are you reaching the point where going to the offseason, if this group doesn't get it done, are you looking at, for example, a Mitch Marner? Are you willing to dissect or take split up that group is the time coming or do you still think this group can get it done in the long term well i don't i don't think they can get it done in the long term because they don't have enough people around them um that's the math if shanahan's there nothing's changing absolutely nothing like i i how many i'm not having the same conversation over and over about what i think an offseason will look like because we know how an offseason will look like shanahan's going to come out maybe or just for a living and we believe in the group and this and that and this and that and this and like like honestly i don't it is the most bizarre thing i've ever seen in in toronto and we're in toronto i i expect no changes you think marner's taking a pay cut (laughs) get out of here you think he's taking a pay cut get out of here nothing's going to change with shanahan running it absolutely nothing uh now the X factor is Keith Pelly becoming the CEO of Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. Um, that's one of the most significant pieces of news that organization has seen since Dubis left. And we'll see what he thinks. Keith is a visionary, and he knows Rogers and Bell very well. And we'll see what happens. But um, anyway, that's the changes aspect. I almost fell off my chair when he asked me what changes would happen in, in the Leafs offseason. Well, so that's that. Uh, this year, it's funny. I just took, I literally just picked up my phone before coming on with you guys. And lo and behold, the Leafs are in a wild card spot. How do we think that Islander season is now going to go out of curiosity? What do you guys think of that Islander team under Patrick Wall? You think they're going to be a, will, like a, a wallflower? Or you think they're going to actually try and do something here? 
I know Brennan Gallagher's taking cheap shots left and right at their guys last night, but that aside, because I expect them to make a run. What do you guys think? Well, yeah, the new coach bump, right? The new coach bumps what you're expecting, no? Uh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. And, uh, you know, they have some decent offensive players on that team and a big blue line that's underperformed. And, and like, I just, I'm looking at the teams behind them. Jersey's borderline decimated with injuries right now. Yeah. Um, you know, the Islanders are interesting to me. So maybe it's a good thing. Like maybe, maybe the Leafs not just coasting through January, February, and March, statistically speaking in the standings is going to be a good thing for them. We'll find out. We'll find out. Um, I think, I think either way they're trending, you do not add to this group at the deadline and give up anything substantial. That's you're asking for trouble. This is not a group that has shown you any level of trust. If you're Patrick Alvin in Vancouver, it's a different conversation. I think you owe it to the room and you owe it to Rick to do a little something here. Cause and and on top of it, they're smart enough to make the little tweak that you don't think much of at the time. But this team has given you no indication. The way the Leafs start games is unprofessional. It is completely unprofessional, the approach this team has. And I don't know if it's about, if it, they, they, really, they really feel like they've tuned Sheldon out. And I'm not saying Sheldon is 100% the issue, because I don't think he got a good roster, as we're seeing. Uh, but I, I think there's, there's something to be said here about if, if the players aren't responding anymore, what do you do? The one thing you can't do is reward that garbage with trading more assets. Can't happen. I don't care what the situation is in Calgary with the blue line. I don't care what the situation is as elsewhere around the league. It can't happen. The Panthers is an eight seed making a run like that. It's a nice story. It's not realistic. It isn't. So I expect a fight from here on into the end of the year. Quite frankly, they deserve to be in that spot. And uh, it might do them some good. It might do them some good. Who knows? But adding is not something I do. And Sheldon, while he's here, better get his licks in. And I, I, I don't mind him doing that. But I just don't know after the All-Star break if this kind of thing keeps up. Like, I, like to me, the magic mark is you're not in a playoff spot anymore. And then it's like all hell, you know? 100%. It, yeah. start, it starts with Sheldon because that's the easiest thing any hockey team can do as yeah. the team at Rexall plays, how that can work. <laughs> True. But after that, if it still continues under a Bruce Boudreaux or whoever, because it'll be an experienced person. They're not going to play that. They're not going to do that garbage anymore with an experienced guy. It'll be an experienced coach. You know, who knows what the next step is. I just, I just don't think this team has earned uh, the benefit of the doubt of a aggressive trade deadline and, and, yeah, jumping, and jumping through and I've seen, and Jake McCabe in the cap under the cap. Like that's, that's not, I don't see that. Yeah. Cause they're not a, they're not one piece away. Like we've talked about this all, a lot in the show the last couple of weeks. And I, I've seen your takes on social media. I couldn't agree more. Like, I always have to be smart in saying, like, I think Sheldon Keefe's a good coach. I just think they've extracted as much as they can out of Sheldon Keefe. I don't know if you feel the same way. I, I think it's the easiest scapegoat, and you can't fire an entire team, unfortunately. No, you can't. But and, and listen, if if hypothetically speaking, Sheldon becomes a free agent, if you're if you haven't had any playoff success for years, guess what? He's probably your guy. That's a pretty good regular season record. With mm-hmm. teams that weren't deep, like I got it, I I'll give Sheldon credit for that. No one can take that away. The numbers don't lie. 
And there are plenty of teams in this league. You know, I mean, if the Red Wings don't kind of take off here in the next year and a half, two years, Eisenman's going to get itchy. And I know, I know his boy, you know, Newsy Lalonde behind the bench. <laughs> he's, he's tight with him. But come on, like if you feel there's going to be a lot of teams where if they don't turn some corners, like oh, like Sheldon's perfect, perfect. He's not going to cost you ten million a year or five million a year. No, so <laughs> he'll be fine. I know this is his dream job, but he'll be he'll be fine. But in terms of what you said, can you have you squeezed all the blood out of the stone you can? Where boy are we getting to that point? Mm-hmm. Boy are we getting to the point where, to me, it's the not ready to start thing that is really 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 concerned mm-hmm. really concerned and i said this to someone the other day like there was i, I was interested for the ratings uh in this country saturday night because there was the it was niners packers saturday night up right against canucks leafs here on hockey day in canada and i'm like well that packers game look out <laughs> yeah. like hockey night's hockey night but that packers niners game Packers Niners did, I think, like 650,000 viewers in this country. And Canucks Leafs did 1.8 million. Hmm. Like, that's, that was still a game. That's still a game people were juiced up for. Leafs had no interest in playing to start that game. Absolutely zero interest. And um, that, to me, tells me Sheldon might be an issue. And not an issue of his own making. I'm just saying an issue of... It's the, the pregame speech is getting a little dry. Mm-hmm. The pregame speech is getting dry. The film session's getting dry. And you're not firing on all cylinders when you're out there. And, you know, when you see the stuff the other night that led to the two on none on, uh, on Samsonov, I don't think people broke that, broke down that plan up. Nylander is having a snack in the corner. <laughs> I encourage everyone watching or listening to this go back to that moment. Don't, don't, be distracted by the shiny lights behind the net that leads to the past. Watch what was going on there. I have no idea what that was. Mm -hmm. And that to me is the sign of a team that knows there are no consequences. Where do we go with this? I don't know, but I wanted to ask you about that. It's not a good sign. If, if that, lack of consequences is baked into the entire team culture. Let's say we play out a scenario. So in a few weeks, they hit the skids again and you do replace Sheldon, keep you bringing Guy Boucher, whatever happens, they still miss the playoffs or they bomb out in round one. I want to go back to what you mentioned about Keith Pelly because I, I think the implication there, what you're hinting at is that Brendan Shanahan is running out of runway himself. So do you think there could be a scenario where we see that happen and the biggest head of all finally does roll too? I mean. Would it surprise anyone in this conversation no. if with a brand new MLSE executive coming in and after nine some odd years of nothing in April, like seems like it's seem, it seems like MLSE even fair to Brendan, you know, like it's like, what do you need money here, money there, money there? Mm-hmm. No problem. What do you need more time, more time, more time, more time? No problem. Now what? Now what do you need? Do you need new music after goals? Like, what do you need? Like, how can we help you? How can we further this along for you? No one. The MLSE let Brendan bring in a guy with zero 
and I mean zero National Hockey League experience in Cal Dubas. He barely had it. He didn't have any assistant reps. You saw Lou Lamarillo three times in a hallway. That was his, that was his, that was his initiation. You think Lou took him under his wing? Give me a break. Like he no experience, no problem. MLSC at every turn, no problem. No problem. Maybe Keith is coming in to be the heavy. Maybe he is. Because the Raptors, like it's gonna get ugly here for a while, but it seems like there's a there's a road they're traveling. And they've made adult decisions. There's a thing coming up with the Leafs where someone's going to have to sit down Mitch Marner and his agent and say, this ain't about you right now. And if you don't like it, you can leave. No one's had the balls in that organization to say that to any of them. No, none of those negotiations have gone to the breaking point past Nylander's first deal. And even then they blinked. If that email didn't go through at the time, they would have left. <laughs> it would have been a disaster, right? But the organization has a history of that. Will Keith change that a little bit? I think there's a lot of opportunity in this market for some smart adult decisions. This fan base had no problem when you tanked. Zero. I've never seen anything like it. It was It's the most surprising Toronto sports fan reaction thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. They were like, I get it. I've seen enough of Fanuff and Kessel. I get it. Strip it. And they were fine with it. Do you think there's an uproar if Mitch Marner leaves this organization? <sighs> let's let's put it all out there now because I, I don't I don't understand the notion of you have to once again bend over backwards for a player that has given you nothing tangible when it matters most. We have to really have this conversation now. If you're scared that there's nothing in the farm system, that's a different discussion, and I'll have that discussion because guess what? There's nothing there. <laughs> that's right. There's nothing there. So from that aspect. Like I, I'm really looking back at Nylander differently. I was furious when that deal got signed. I thought that was insane. And, I, and there's a large 80% of me still thinks that's insane because of like watch him play now. Packing it in. Packing watch, it like, in, man. I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure he'll be fine. <laughs> I'm sure. But, but the other side of me is like, who's coming up? Who's the pick coming up that everyone's jacked about? Who's the leaf prospect that went to the world juniors and tore it up? You don't see it. So I, from that aspect, I get it. But now it's just this cycle. And someone, it's not going to take much work. But someone has to go in there and let the room know it's not about you. No one's done that. Not Kyle, not Brendan, not Sheldon. Oh, Sheldon, you, you, sat, you sat guys for a couple of power plays. <laughs> I'm sure they've learned their lesson. I'm sure they've learned their lesson. I just think there's two concurrent. Sorry, here's here's my main point. Boy, have I gone a long way for this. The rest of this season to me is two stories. It is obviously the race to get into the playoffs, and they're going to be in that for the whole the whole shebang, deservedly so. But how does Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment react as this happens? And the feeling in the city, like, guys, if they miss the playoffs, there's going to be pitchforks outside Air Canada Center. Oh, yeah. In a with, serious with way. sushi and caviar. Don't forget that. The oh, sushi yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somebody inside MLSC better not say, let them eat cake. Because there's going to be an issue. So um, 
I think everyone, listen, everyone knows the stakes. I still, I've defended Brad for living left and right. I, there's a, there's a couple of moves here. I can't. Yeah. Uh, Reeves, Reeves at the time you couldn't defend. I, I can't believe anyone with half a brain defended Reeves at the time. Um, but I still didn't think he's just kind of there. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he's there. I love guys on their second job. I think they're smarter. I still want, I'd like to see Brad Trill living out from underneath the Shanahan umbrella and see what really can happen here. Um, but I think there's a couple, there's more than a couple of angles here where if you're covering the Leafs day in and day out, like you guys are, I think yeah. you're, in a, you're in a fun market because this is, this is interesting stuff. Like this is the, the, the hit this, the door, like history will be hinged on the next four months, three months with this team. Cause Pelly's not coming in to just sit there and get a suite to a Springsteen concert. Like I've, <laughs> I've seen Keith in action. He's a killer. He's an absolute killer of an executive. And I, there's a reason they've done this now. I thought it was a very interesting hire. Lee fans really should have made more of it. There's a reason this is happening now. Like this is a guy I've heard this guy one day talked about as like an NHL commissioner. No joke. So watch that timeline because he goes full-time in April. We'll see how it goes. So aside from that, there's nothing going on with the Leafs. Yeah, nothing at all. No, it's it's funny you bring that up because daily basis, like there's no shortage of topics to, to bring up. And to me, it leads me back to one word, man, like accountability. There is zero accountability. I always bring this up. They can lose the next day. we got fucking tea time set up for Mitch Marner. Like that. let's not go back to that story. You know, like it just seems like nobody's pet. Like, I don't even know how to phrase it, but it's like there's no anger. Like I watched Nathan McKinnon said play hockey. And I'm like, this guy's an absolute dog. I get it's his nickname, but he hates to lose. There's no hate to lose with these guys, unfortunately. I mean, I hear you. Yeah. I, I, that's a tough one. That's still a tough one for me. Cause like, does like, I, in, like 10 years ago, I would say yes. Like, I needed to see you break a stick for me to believe you cared. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm there as much, but there's a lot of people that agree with you. Tons of people that agree with you. And Mar- Mar- the Marner thing, like this is why the Marner extension coming up or contract negotiation, this, everything, this, this is going to, this is a synopsis of everything because he's a Toronto guy. He wants to be here. No one liked that contract when he, when he first signed it. Has he put up good regular season numbers? Yeah. Is he this year? Not really by his standard. but. I'm just wondering what he does in the market if they start to turn. Like, there was a I read I read some of the off day quotes yesterday out of Etobicoke, and Marner was talking about Samsonov's performance the other night, and Marner brought it back to him, saying, "You know what? I know what it's like to be to be doubted, and I know what it's like to be this, and I know what it's like to be that." I I can't believe more wasn't made of it. Like sure. Marner literally talking about Samsonov persevering made it about him. And I worry about that. Like, I, Mark Marner caved in when he started sniping at the media towards the end of that Florida series. Like, I've, I think I've seen what that's about. I've seen that story. I kind of know what that is. That's a guy who doesn't like some of the shit that comes with the market. And those guys really haven't seen it. When the Leafs have failed, who's gotten it the worst? It's been Dubas, it's been Shanahan, it's been Keefe. Like, they haven't seen it the way we used to see it in this market. 
So I like the more I listen to Mitch. I don't know, man. I don't know. This is is that a guy playing two and a half months of hard hockey for a cup in the city? I don't know. That I I I urge all of you go back and read or listen to what Mitch said about Samsung. Like it was very complimentary, obviously, about Ilya and that story, which is a great story. I don't want to act like this. There's not great stories with the Leafs. What happened the other with Ilya was amazing, and the way that crowd reacted was amazing. But Mitch still kind of made it about him. Honestly, pull the clip, find the quotes. The least talked about story with the team is becoming, can Mitch take it? And I don't know if he can. I'm not saying Nealer could take None of them have proven they can win more than five playoff games together. I'm not saying any of them are cup champions. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but you have to have a tone, like a self-dialogue with yourself if you're going to just make that kind of money in the city. Because there will be pressure, obviously. There's pressure in any city. But especially here. For a guy who didn't take a cent less on the discount, and I got, I'm fine with it, but that but pressure comes with that. Mitch is cracking a little bit to me when it comes to that. And if you're looking at the future and you're looking at what's next, I don't know. Am I wrong? What do you guys think? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, and I, I think you've seen it with Mitch. It's sort of a straw man thing that he. I don't know if it's a self motivation tactic. But especially in the play, I remember last year him saying, you know, we just got to not read what you guys write. But by saying that, you're implying that you know what we, it was what childish. we wrote. Mitch. It was absolutely childish. First off, it wasn't, I mean, well, who was writing anything? What is this, the 60s? He's <laughs> listening and watching stuff online. Like, give me a break. Like, what is this? Like, he's not picking, Mitch isn't picking up the star and going, what's going on here? Like, let's be honest. So um, I just, I feel like it's, I think it's a storyline worth watching. How much he, he throws back at the media when things aren't going well and uh, and we'll see how it goes but i mean listen we've also seen him like kick he kick ass yeah what was that yeah. point streak he was on was it last year i'm losing it was a lot he had that he had one of the greatest januaries i've ever seen mm-hmm. yeah like he has that in him yeah but he's getting caught up in the bs a little bit yeah yeah and austin kind of doesn't do that <laughs> nylander doesn't have a pulse for better or worse he doesn't get caught up in that. Tavares, eh. I've seen the same scrum a thousand <laughs> times right now. Like it doesn't really change with Tavares, but Mitch wears it on his sleeve, man. And I just think, yeah, God, you like it's if the if the market's already getting you like that, it's not a good sign. It's not. Man, we can uh, we can talk about this for days. Uh, really, really appreciate you breaking this down for us. Enjoy your takes, and uh, thanks so much. Have a great weekend, okay? All right, take care, guys. Anytime. Thank you. Thanks, Bye. Sid. Well, lots to unpack from that. That was a lot of fun, man. That, I felt like I was on Tim and Sid just, like, watching. You know, I'm, I miss that show so much, but, like, just sitting back, somebody who's not afraid to give their opinion, I got no problem with that, man, whether you agree or disagree, you know? For sure. It was very like uh, Tony Montana at the end of Scarface, just yeah, everybody catching strays. I enjoyed it. And and uh, I like the path that Sid was taking with Keith Pelly. I hadn't really thought about the implications that much because it kind of just middle of the season, it came and went. But he's given us a lot to think about. Absolutely. Just, uh, it's, it's a lot to unpack, man. I just think that was like, there's so many different avenues you can go with that conversation. But I think the thing that that he does really, really well is like he poses the question that you wouldn't really like Pelly talked about the whole Mitch Marner thing. I think that's fair to bring that up. But 
it just shows you too how difficult it is to play in this market. Like I'm not backing these guys, but on a daily basis, these are conversations that are had, right? Yeah. And I think it's always been apparent in my opinion with Mitch Marner. So if you look at, if you compare him to Matthews and Nylander, Matthews an Arizona kid, Nylander obviously grew up in Calgary. So he's, he's Swedish, but he's Swedish Canadian, but it's not the same yeah. thing as the kid who, grew up obsessed with this team from birth, Mitch Marner. And yes, John Tavares did too, but Mitch Marner, a little bit younger, grew up in more of a social media era. Just, I think he feels the pressure of being the local kid like nobody else. And that's why he's got the the sort of gripping the stick too tight mentality at times. It gets to him in a different way because he carries that lifelong history with him. And that's why when you sort of assess who's best suited to the market, I don't always know if Marner is, even though it's his dream to be here, it gets to him in a different way because of that baggage that he carries with him. And with Tavares, he was a bit older when he came here. I think he's a bit more grounded in that sense. And then with Matthews and Nylander, obviously the pressure does not get to them in the same way. They're both very well suited to be here, which is why they both signed their extensions, right? So I do think that's the big question with Marner. And the problem is it can't be about letting him walk if he's not a fit. It's about deciding if he's not a fit what you can get for him because you can get a lot for him. You cannot get into any scenario in which he walks. And I don't think he wants to, he wants to be here. So it's more about just deciding does he fit or is he not really mentally fit for this market? And Matt, we've had this conversation a lot, me and Rosie for the most part, just to know the whole no trade thing. And Mitch just strikes me as somebody like if he's going to be a leaf, he's going to be a leaf and there's nothing you can really say. I mean, what can you say? We don't want you here. And he can be like, well, tough shit. I got a contract to play out. And that that's the conversation to be had. We'll have a lot of those conversations over the next six to eight months for sure. And uh, uh, certainly fascinating times here in Leafs Nation as we approach the All-Star break and the bye week for this team. One more against the Winnipeg Jets coming up on Saturday night. Speaking of which, the Botano wrap-up is presented by Botano.ca. The game starts now, 19+. plus. Please play responsibly. Just looking at that Winnipeg game in terms of betting, I have to double down and go back to JT. Like, this is the longest drought of his career. At some point in time, it's going to end. I probably believe in the player more than most people. So give me a JT anytime goal. I think it finally happens here. I think you're right. And it goes back to what I was saying. That shooting percentage at five on five is yeah. 1.78 or somewhere in that range. And I think, yes, sometimes shooting percentage is a reflection of your finishing ability. So, okay, he's getting himself in these, into these positions, but maybe the reflexes are not what they were. So fine. He's not going to be what he was for the first several seasons of his deal, but he's also going to not be the guy who never scores again. We're going to find somewhere in between with him. And I think it's coming any day now. I think there's going to be a run, a streak. So I'm with you on that bet. We will see what happens tomorrow night. Big game against the Jets. And the thing with Sheldon Keefe, anyone, anybody who's been watching the last few games, is this team, they have shown the ability to go on a run. And what looks like a losing streak suddenly becomes a run. If they win on Saturday, it's, oh my God, we just beat the Jets in a home and home. The momentum suddenly comes back. You carry that into the all-star break. And maybe you can go on one of those runs in the second half. Just wanted to wrap the show and Matt say thank you very much for uh, spending my time, spending the time today with me. No problem. And, you know, to bring it full circle, I was on that bad date at the start and I was eating some minutes and I lost you on the stream. I had to do the same. I had to go into that Ryan Suter toolkit, eat a few minutes, stall for a little bit, but it's all good. It all worked out and it's always a pleasure to be on, my friend. You're an absolute pro, man. Thank you so much for doing that. Thank you to everybody in the chat. You guys are fantastic at the Leafs Nation 401. Thank you to today's guest, uh, Sid Sixero. Back on Monday again, Jay Rosal is going to be back on Tuesday. Carter Hutton in the mix on Monday. So 
Uh, thank you as well to producer Vic for keeping this on the road as well. And again, that's Matt Larkin. I'm Nick Alberga. We'll talk on Monday. Take care. Have a great weekend.